All right, Kelly Robinson, thank you very, very much, and good morning. It's a beautiful day out there, at least where I am, I think in most parts of Texas. So I hope you're having a lovely beginning to the day. It's getting a little bit warmer today than it has been the last couple of days. It's been cold. Oh, my goodness. But it's January. It's Texas. That's kind of what we expect. Give me a call, won't you please? Let me have a chance to help you with your plant questions. Jared Taylor is running the boards, and he'll be answering the phones and screening the calls for me. It uh, is not hard to to get past my screener in terms of um, topics. I have very little that I ask him not to take. I I don't talk about uh, suburban uh, agricultural things, farm crops, pastures, things like that. I don't know that uh, those subjects well, but urban horticulture, landscapes, gardens, uh, house plants, things like that. That's what I I would like to talk about. And your landscape, your garden, it's time to start talking about gardening. Vegetable gardens start now, did you know? The farther south you are in Texas, the more important it is we talk about those things. We broadcast to about 35 stations. Here is the phone number. If you'd like to call right now, I'd love to hear from you. We are live uh, here in, uh, in, in late January, kind of late January, 888 888- Two five six ten eighty for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour, broadcasting from Alpine to Crockett, from Victoria to Pica, oh, to Amarillo. That's that's a pretty good range. Eight 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 two five six ten eighty down in the single digits in uh, in in the Panhandle night before last, and I noticed that the uh, valley got down into the thirties in in areas. I try to keep tabs on on what the temperatures are doing. Got to 18 at our home, and uh, so it has been cold. 888-256-1080. Call right now, please. Let's fill up those phone lines. I'd much rather have dialogue than a monologue for the next 45, 50 minutes. That makes it a lot more fun to do this program. It's called a talk show, and talk is plural. You can't tell that by that word, but that means you and I visit. So one more time, the uh, the phone number is 888 888- toll-free, anywhere you can hear me, 888-256-1080. Well, there are a lot of things you need to do in the late part of January. One of them is to uh, to do your pruning work of dormant trees. If you have trees that need to be reshaped and not crepe myrtle topping, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh, don't do that. Please don't top crepe myrtles. There's never a defense for that practice. Uh, the one that is most commonly thrown up at me, and I mean thrown up as in thrown up, is, uh, uh, oh, it's too tall. Um, but, you know, genetically, it's going to go right back there, so that doesn't change a thing. It just makes it ugly in the process. If you have a plant, a, a crepe myrtle or any other tree that's too tall for the place you have for it, if it's banging into the eaves or the wires or something, Take it out. Replace it with the plant that grows shorter. There are plenty of crepe myrtle varieties that stay shorter. So that one doesn't hold water. It'll make it bloom better. Well, that's been proven by many, many uh, that that's not the case. They bloom better if you don't prune them. In fact, they'll bloom about six weeks earlier. And so you get another round or two of blooms, and uh, the blooms are displayed much better. So anyway, I digress. Any uh, pruning of summer flowering shrubs and vines is done now. Any pruning of evergreen shrubs is done now. Pruning of uh, spring flowering shrubs and vines is done after they bloom, so don't prune those now. Um, Blackberries you prune after they produce their fruit, so you don't prune those now. Uh, you, You prune the canes that bear fruit clear to the ground, 
and leave the, the new canes that have just shot up. I'm talking about uh, upright blackberries. They'll bear fruit next year. They, they bear on last year's canes. Um, what else needs to be pruned? Peaches and plums, of course, are pruned pretty heavily in the wintertime. You need to get that done in the next three weeks or so because they need to be pruned before they start to bud out and try to try to bloom. And uh, you're always, your goal in, in pruning peaches and plums is to establish a vase-shaped tree with uh, the scaffold branches being down in the 22, 24, 26-inch range from the ground and uh, most of the strongly vertical growth being removed. If that just went over your head like a, a volley of musket shot, you don't know what I meant, you don't want a peach or plum tree to be rounded or upright because that weakens the tree, uh, the, the fruit load is too high, you can't harvest it, it'll break the limbs. So you want a peach or plum tree to be horizontal, kind of. <clears throat> so that's why you do that annual pruning. Grapes you prune by 80 85%. You remove a lot of the cane growth each year. That's why you see so many grape stem rees. There's a lot of cane growth that's removed each winter. And that way you have fewer clusters, but they're of much, much better quality. Um, figs, you don't prune much. You may have to from the cold from last year, but normally you don't. Pears, you don't prune much. Apples, you only remove the strongly vertical shoots called water sprouts. Um, if you have trees like live oaks that were hurt by the cold last winter or uh, Chinese tallow trees or ash trees, any trees that were really badly killed back by the cold you may need to take those trees down or take the dead wood out if you can determine where it is uh, so that if you get a windstorm or even a late winter ice storm they don't uh, come down because there's a lot of weight in those old dead trees and uh, we don't want to have it hanging around to hurt somebody that's enough to get us started we can fill in with some other things but please give me a call right now it will get very very busy as we go into the springtime i've done this a long time and i've seen this same pattern every year it's kind of quiet in january then it just the dam bursts and the floodwaters pour out in february march so call now this is your chance we'll go to deborah and sweetwater in just a second but the phone number for others 888 256 1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Niels Ferry's Lone Star Gardening. I'm in my fifth printing on my book right now. Sixth printing is about to begin. This is your go-to gardening reference. I believe it could be the only garden reference you need. I self-published this book so I could I could steer the course of it as I was writing it. I wanted Carolyn Skye to be my editor because I knew she would keep me right on track. She's a wonderful editor. I've worked with her for years. And Cindy Smith, graphic designer, same thing. I've worked with her for years. I knew she would do beautiful design work for me, and she did. 840 of my photographs, 344 pages, more than 25 multi-page charts to make choosing the right plants a simple task for you. Chapter 2, specifically, is a 48-page calendar that tells you what you need to plant, prune, fertilize, and protect, spray in your landscape and garden in each month. Want to know what to do in January before January goes away? Look at chapter that chapter, chapter 2, the first entry for January. Four pages of things to get done. 
and then you turn the page, and there you are in February. You get the idea. Specific chapters on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. Everything I have found out in 50 years of this career I have put into this book. took me a year to write the book. Your satisfaction is completely guaranteed or I'll refund every penny you spend on it. 74,000 copies sold to date and not one request for a refund. But I stand by that guarantee. The only place you can buy this book is directly from my office or my website. It is not in stores and it's not on Amazon. Here are the ways you can reach for for it. And by the way, I sign every copy as it sells. You can order from neilsperry.com or you can call my office Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. But the better way by far is to to go to neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. There's a lot of talk. The book is 36.95. I might add. I didn't uh, didn't say that. I don't think. That's a bargain. There's a lot of talk these days about Made in America, but I'd like to tell you about something that's been made in America for 90 years. Maybe you didn't realize it. It's Mueller. Mueller buildings. Mueller metal roofing. And they're steel buildings made right here by people who care about quality, both of materials and of workmanship. Whether it's a metal roof for your home or a custom steel building, maybe a shed, maybe even a greenhouse for the backyard. Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. That name Mueller on one of those means real quality. Mueller has four manufacturing facilities right here in the USA. And with 33 branches for sales and service, why, there's a Mueller location near you. When you choose Mueller for metal buildings or roofing, you're choosing the best quality products to protect your family and your property. And you're supporting local jobs and local families. These are ordinary, hardworking people who are proud to provide a product that's made right here in America. Now, you can uh, know that if a company's been around 90 years, they've been making customers' dreams come true, they're doing things right. Visit MuellerInc.com or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. They're Mueller. They're made in America, and they're made to last. You can find them at MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. Kelly Robinson there, my friend of 35 years, maybe going on 40 by now probably. Let's go to Deborah in Sweetwater. First call up today. Deborah, this is Neil. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I actually have a house in North Carolina. I imagine it's the same kind of everywhere and here in Sweetwater visiting my mom. Uh, I have a wisteria that is causing a lot of foundation issues. Uh, It was planted really close. Uh, by the house uh, that we have on a crawl space and the back porch area. And uh, I've tried, I've cut the darn thing down to like all the main trunk area stuff is, is out of there, but it's got all these shoots that go like all over the backyard and all these things still keep cropping up where I can see them um, right there by the house and all into the yard. I don't know how to actually kill this thing. All right, you want you want it out, gone, no more, no yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, I would like to because it just keeps. We've already got issues that we're you know we're just kind of trying to to 
fixed little stuff, no telling what it actually looks like under that portion of the of the of the house that's actually not kind of like part of the crawl space thing and so these sheets just keep coming out like we cut them down or i put um i put a lot of roundup on it and it's just roundup won't help very much deborah i think there are better things uh number one most wisteria is now north carolina is a very different situation because it's a much better growing situation than much of texas would be but uh i doubt that wisteria would get um this may not be an accurate statement uh, on the East Coast, but most of Texas would, uh, most of most wisterias would not get big enough to do major foundation damage. Man, I might regret having said this that. one is a big one. Yeah, this okay, one I, I back out on that one. But the point is, yeah, uh, if it, you can get if you can get to the mother stump of this thing, the original stump, do you have access to that still? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Uh, in probably about six weeks, first of March, when it really gears up to get ready for springtime, you want to make a fresh cut across. Well, you wouldn't even have to do that. Just a good smooth cut if you don't have one already. You're going to be drilling into that stump with a, a fairly large, since it's a big stump, fairly large drill bit, at least the size of one of your fingers. You're going to, your goal is to establish some reservoirs in that stump and you're going to pour a broadleafed weed killer. I'll explain that in just a second. You're going to pour that down okay. in at full strength into the stump okay. so it can soak into the wood. A broadleafed weed killer is going to contain 2,4-D, 2,4-D, like in dandelions. Okay. And that's going, okay. to kill, that's going to kill broadleafed plants, non-grassy plants. Uh, Roundup is, is kind of like saying Ford or Chevrolet. It doesn't really specify which. It's a it's okay. an umbrella name. The original Roundup was strictly for grasses. It didn't do much on on broadleaf plants, and and so I don't know what you have, but it's really not as good as a, a broadleaf weed killer. And many brands on the market, you'll have plenty of choices. I'd go into okay. a, a really good local hardware store or retail nursery or feed store, and they'll they'll. They will have heard this before. If you go into a big box store, they won't, you know, those people are not as well versed. But a local independent store will know what I'm talking about. They can sell you the drill bit if you don't have one already. You drill it out, get all the sawdust out of it. Just take a blower and blow it out. And that way it can soak in. Maybe come back in a day or two and fill it up again. Just let it soak into that wood. That'll kill the roots. That'll kill. I, I don't know if it'll go across the yard and kill sprouts that are coming up from the roots. You may have to deal with them separately, but at least it'll kill yeah. the, the, the main part of it out. Okay. All right. I will give that a try then. That, Thank you so much. That is a trick that I learned from my father. You you don't get the chance to listen to me very often. Others are tired of hearing this message probably, but my dad uh, was the state weed control specialist for Texas A&M. Herbicide research was what he did, and I... I oh, helped him. Awesome. It's a long time ago, but he had me do that to a lot of plants in his research. I was the gopher and making, <laughs> making 67 cents an hour. I mean, I was highly paid, and that was oh, my, my job goodness. was to do that drill. Yeah, that's a while back. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, nepotism didn't get me very far on that one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, well, that's awesome, though. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I've You're been welcome. I've been uh, enjoying, yeah. uh, I think, this. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. Take care. Let me go to uh, Joan in Bryan now. Joan, this is Neil. Good morning. Hello, Neil. Can you hear me? I do very well. Thank you. Okay. There was a little buzz there. Hey, good morning. Um, 
Listen, I have a my patio in the backyard has kind of a slope down to it uh, into the backyard that's kind of high, and we usually have somebody cut the grass, but I like to cut the grass, and so when I cut grass, it's difficult because it's so slanted. I was thinking about putting a flower bed in there. Actually, I don't know if it'll be flowers. It's going to be um, Althea and uh, Turk's cap and some things like that. And I, I'm wondering if I have to remove, actually dig out the um, St. Augustine if I do this when it's dormant, or can I just prepare the holes like I normally would, put my border up, and then just mulch on top of the rest of that grass without having to take it all out. Okay, let me see if I have this picture. Which is higher in elevation, the bed that you're going to be planting in or the patio? The patio. All right, it's it's at the top of the hill, so to say. Yes. So, yes. so any erosion, any wash is going to go away from the patio, not onto the patio. Correct. All right. Um are you sure that all you're going to be planting will be shrubs? Yeah, well, Turk's cap is Turk's cap's a perennial. Uh, Althea is a different story. Althea, you could plant directly into the St. Augustine, and at some point you could you could use the original Roundup or any other glyphosate-only product to kill the St. Augustine in late April or May once it greens up and is growing. Those materials, hang with me, this is not complicated. I just, I always like to make it sound that way. <laughs> um, the, the original glyphosate products, that weed killer specifically, does not go into the soil. It does not contaminate the soil. Like I mentioned to another caller, that's an umbrella term when you start saying Roundup because there are other kinds of Roundup products now. But if you ask for the original Roundup or Cleanup, which is another brand, that only has the glyphosate, if you get something that just says glyphosate as the only active ingredient, you could spray that on your St. Augustine in May or even June and kill it in place and not have to worry about the Althea. You use a, a pump sprayer and just put it right onto the St. Augustine. You'd be okay. Now, as far as the Turk's cap is concerned, that deserves better soil preparation than, than that. It's a perennial, and it would it would do much better if you would... Uh, do a, a little bit of bed preparation and uh, rototill at least four or five inches down and, and give it some organic matter. I grew up in Bryan, well, in College Station, so I'm familiar with Brazos County soils, and, and it does well. You'll see it in old landscapes where it's been growing in what is pretty much native soil, um, and it'll do that, but it does better if you give it a little a little better head start. So in those areas, well, I probably would take the St. Augustine off now and, and rototill a little bit. I'd wait until it's, I'd wait until March to do the rototilling just because you don't want to plant the Turk's cap this early. You need to plant it when it's a little warmer. Right. Well, I was going to put a border on this bed. So there would be patio, then the sloped part would be a bed with whatever in it, and then like a border on there, like uh, some stones or something. And the so, purpose of the border is, is twofold, to keep erosion to a minimum and to keep grass from growing back uphill into it? Yes, so okay. that the grass that needs to be cut won't go. We'll, 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 we'll put that border 
where the land is more getting more level instead of being so sloped. Right, and you'll have a dividing line where you could use an edger or something. Yes. A trimmer. I think that's all good. I, I like your idea. So, um, now, Althea, just, Althea I, uh, will get large. Uh, depends right. on the variety, but some of them get quite large. So take that into account with your patio. It could flop over onto the patio. Some of them get yeah. 10 or 15 feet tall and 8 to 10 feet wide. So be careful with it. The yeah. turf cap is, is lovely, but it will die to the ground in the winter. And so you'll be looking out across a, a bare bed. I'm, I'm, I'm not Mr. Negative on these. Those are lovely plants, but I want you not to be disappointed later. Yeah. Well, I might maybe put some daylilies or irises in there too. But sure. Then I'd sure. have to. I then would definitely have to, to remove the grass then. Yeah. But I just then don't you do physically need... want to have to remove the grass. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, the, consider the some ever. The labor cons- part of the deal is what I'm trying to avoid. Except how, for how wide is this spot. area? How wide is it's that area? Gonna, it'll probably be about uh, in one end of it's going to be about two feet wide, and the other end is going to be about four feet wide. Put some evergreen shrubs in, just a just a cluster of evergreen shrubs, some evergreen hollies like dwarf yopon or, or uh, something that would stay low and, and give you a nice evergreen anchor to the bed. And there are lots mm-hmm. of other choices. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe All a right. plant of rosemary or something would be nice. Anyway. So, and so to finish up, you don't think it's a good idea to just put the plant in and then put mulch on it? You I think, think that'd I be really fine for the Althea, not good for the for the uh, Turk's cap. Gotcha. Okay. They're, they're two different kinds of plants. Appreciate All your right. call. Have a great day. Take care. All right. We will come back. We have full phone lines right now. If you'd like to call, that one is open at 888-256-1080. Thank you, by the way, for calling. Thank you. That's a, a, a comment of gratitude, 888-256-1080. My electronic newsletter is eGardens. I think you'll enjoy it if you don't take it already. I think you'll find it useful, but I also think you'll find it uh, to be very, very fun to read. Niels Perry's eGardens, there's always a featured plant of the week. There always is a featured question of the week, a question I've been asked repeatedly. And um, I think I see one coming up that I might use because I am asked it frequently and so it might make a good question of the week. Uh, You also will find uh, Gardening This Weekend where I point out the things that you need to get done uh, at this time of year. If you want to see what eGardens looks like go to the place where you sign up for it. You have to do the signing up. You'll join about 78,000 other Texans who get eGardens each week. That's a big electronic newsletter that's a lot of people and we have a very high open rate people like it they look at it and you do that at neilsperry.com same place you go to buy my book that's n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y.com click on the e-gardens tab you can sign up for it you can also see the most recent issue that's Neil Sperry's e-gardens at neilsperry.com n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y com. It's free and always will be, and I will never give or sell your email address to anybody. I'll never spam you, certainly, so nothing to worry about. Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much, and we're ready to go back to our phone lines. Let's see. Next call up will be uh, Patricia in Bowie. Patricia, this is Neil. Good morning. 
Well, good morning, Neil. I so appreciate your program and especially your love and concern for the residents of Denton State School. Thank you very much. I, have a I appreciate your, your saying that. Thank you. Go ahead. I have a question about a plant you love, crepe myrtles. Mm-hmm. We plan to have a 50-year, hopefully have a 50-year anniversary uh, party and at my place. And last year, of course, a lot the crepe myrtles received a lot of damage, and I was going to trim them back. I just didn't get to it. I wanted to see what they would end up being like. But I know that to, to really get the prettiest effect for June of this year, I need to, uh, hopefully it's not too late to trim them back, is it? And what can I feed them to give them the prettiest? Um, blooms early. All right. June is very early for, for blooms. Um, what did the plants look like? And this is in this in buoy. You, you, the crepe myrtles are in buoy also. Oh yes. Yes, sir. I have. Yes, about it's there. I didn't know where the party myrtle. was going. Didn't know where the party was going to be. Uh, what did the mm-hmm. crepe myrtles look like last year? Were they really sparse or what happened? Just the top of my, like my watermelon, the ones that are like, uh, probably 15 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 12 to 15 feet tall. I got a lot of um, dead on the top of it, and I was hoping it would just fall off, but it hasn't so far. And I know right. it is early for uh, blooms in June, but I've had them before. No, I understand. Um, okay, so. that that helps. Um, believe me, I'm, I'm well-versed on crepe myrtles. I was one of the founders of the crepe myrtle trails of McKinney, and we work with about thirty to 40,000 crepe myrtles uh, almost weekly. So I'm, I'm, I'm up on crepe myrtles, but I, I do have some questions first. Um, did, uh, let's see, do you know the variety name by any chance? Well, it's, I don't know the, I, I know the colors. I don't, okay. I, like, I do have a how, lot of, I do have a lot of Natchez white. All right. How um, how old are the plants that uh, the the ones you refer to as watermelon red? How, that is an old variety from 1925. But how old are the ones oh, that wow. you're talking about? How long have they been in your landscape? Uh, probably 20 years. All right. Uh, does the name Tuscarora ring a bell at all? Tuscarora, no. All right. Tuscarora no, was is the is the rosy red that was hurt so badly by the cold last year. There were four varieties that were really hurt. Natchez normally is and wasn't so much last year. But Tuscarora was just really, really bothered. The reason I'm asking, <clears throat> um, from from what we are observing with crepe myrtles, uh, there were a lot of those, vari- those four varieties uh, out of the 150 varieties, those four in particular, suffered a lot of dieback. They were lethargic to come out up on their top growth. They put a lot of new shoots up from down below. Uh, and in retrospect, that's what we should have allowed to grow uh, in the plants that we had in McKinney. We have hundreds of each of those varieties. The others are Sioux, S-I-O-U-X, and, um, and Country Red, which I doubt that you have. It's not very common. And... Um, uh, we also have had a lot of Muskogee that had damage. Uh, usually also in that would be Natchez, like I said. Those are the, the ones that always get hit. Ah. So anyway, to my point, uh, with Tuscaroras um, and with other other isolated plants, they, they had a lot of dieback in the tops. The tops maybe had a third of their normal leaf count, if that, a lot of dead branches mixed in, 
and they failed to bloom properly. They were late to bloom. They were sparse. Uh, they, they didn't grow much, very little new growth on those branches. The new growth came from down low or halfway up the, the, the plants. And in reality, what we are going to do this year, this is not going to help you with a, a June party, but what we're going to do with the Tuscaroras, I think probably, is uh, cut them to the ground. We did a lot of that in our World Collection Park Ooh. with the ones that we saw that had been hurt badly. We went out there in April, and we could see the ones that were going to be sparse to leaf out or that were already sparse, and we cut those to the ground, and they're now 8 to 10 feet tall and will bloom beautifully this year. But that was where we reacted early last year. Uh, the ones that we didn't cut oh. and wish we had, you know, would be up there now, too. So that's... Yeah, the, I, I know the feeling now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all do. I think what I would do is wait until um, until they leaf out, which will be early April in Bowie, um, Montague County seems always to be about eight degrees colder than the Metroplex is. And then as they <laughs> leaf out, as they leaf out, I would trim out all the dead wood and maybe trim down into some healthy wood. This is not in any way topping them. You're going to be trimming right above healthy, vigorous growth and you'll be, you'll be doing it a branch at a time so that you tailor them. They're not going to be just flat topped in any spot. And, and then, Put a nitrogen fertilizer on them, like you'd use on your on your turf grass, just all nitrogen, no no weed killer. Be careful; it's not a weed and feed, and and water them and encourage that that flush of new growth. Hopefully, they'll come out and and give you that that robust new growth in the last half of April and May, and that's where the new flower that's where the flowers would be produced. They bloom on new growth, so that's your best bet to get good flowers in. Uh, uh, in June is to get a burst of new growth in April and May. Well, you described the scenario that happened to my reds exactly. And then I was thinking that, it, that I would per- prefer to do it the way you're describing it. It just would have been easier to kind of top them, but let, not top them. I know how you don't like crepe myrtles top, neither, nor do I. But um, that's what we plan, we'll plan to do then. Thank All you. right. And Good luck I, with it. Good luck with it. Thanks well, for the thank call. You. Yeah. We mm, had a family you, reunion the, the one time that I've had all of my family at our house, and it was uh, 1990, right after the other time we went four below zero at our landscape, and I lost my yard, lost everything, and it was just dreadful. They probably think of Cousin Neil and and uh, Uncle Neil and all that as, man, what is he doing for a living? Because <laughs> it, it looked bad that year. Let me, uh, we have full phone lines. I'm going to move very quickly. Some of these calls will not take long, I, I promise you. So let me tell you about my book, Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. It breaks our state down into all the different regions of the state. It tells you all the different things you need to know for your exact county. I, I did that. I wanted it to be just as useful to somebody in far west Texas or southeast Texas as it is along the Red River, for example. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. One of the things that I, I decided early on was I was going to self-publish it, so I wouldn't have a publisher sticking me with a committee of people I'd never seen before and an editor I'd never worked with before uh, telling me how this book needed to look. I knew how I needed to write the book. I needed an editor who could say, Neil, it doesn't make sense. You're not clear on this part, and uh, you need to rewrite it. And that was Carolyn Skye. She's a sweet person. And when she says, Neil, I don't understand this, 
Uh, that's not what she was meaning. She was meaning, Neil, you need to rewrite it. People are not going to know what you're saying. And she guided me to, to great wording. Cindy Smith took 800, more than 840 photos. She took another probably 400 and took 840 of the best ones and made this book sing. I think you'll like it. 11 chapters covering every aspect of outdoor landscapes, lawns, fruit, flower, and vegetable gardening. Book is not in stores and it's not on Amazon because I want to sign every copy as it sells. And it's only thirty-six ninety-five plus tax and postage. And the reason for that is it's not in stores and it's not on Amazon. There's no middle people taking their hand out on this thing. It comes directly from, from my house, actually my garage, where I sign directly to you. So here is the way it works. You go to my website or you call my office. You buy the book. I sign it, mail it, and I think you'll be happy. I'll guarantee it, or I'll refund every penny. Thirty-six ninety-five. Go to neilsperry.com or call my office Monday through Friday, nine to five. Phone number is eight hundred seven five two grow G R O W eight hundred seven five two four seven six nine. But the better way is to go to neilsperry.com right now. N E I L S P E R R Y dot com. I'll have more after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. I have three calls waiting, and I can do this if uh, folks will be uh, nice and succinct in asking the questions. I see the questions, and I don't think it'll take very long to answer them. Let's go to Sue and Brady. Sue, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. I love your e-newsletters. Thank you. My my question is... um, how damaging or what benefit is there if, for me to use, try to recycle my ashes in, out of my fireplace? They could be potentially pretty damaging, Sue, because they are very alkaline. Uh, you need to tell me, if you know it, what the pH of your soil is in Brady. Is it I'm acidic? sorry, I don't. If it's acidic, you're great. If it's alkaline, which I suspect it is, then that would be adding uh, gasoline to a blazing fire. You don't want to do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. If you um, need I'm to get sorry. rid, of, if you need to get rid of them, you would be best off to distribute uh, the ashes over the biggest area possible <laughs> and okay. spread spread your you. losses. Okay, I will do that. Thank Atta you. Much. girl. Thanks for the call. Very very much. Let's go to Kurt in San Angelo. Kurt, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, thank you, sir. How can I help you? Yes, sir. I just need to know uh, the variety of apples and pears uh, for the San Angelo area. For Tom Green County. All right, time to plant them is right now if you can find them. Uh, and, And go to an independent retail garden center for the best locally adapted selection. I'd be very cautious about buying them from a, a national chain store because they buy from another state. Uh, the best varieties of apples probably would be Fuji or Gala, and for pears, the variety Orient. And that's one that you probably won't find in the in the national box stores. Um, there are a couple of really good publications from Texas A&M. If you have a uh, pencil handy, uh, their their publication on apples is EHT EHT dash zero one seven. And uh, let me back up, and I'll give you the one on pears. Um, I, I keep these bookmarked because they are so useful. It is EHT-023. 
and uh, those are written by Texas A&M fruit specialists, and, and they are outstanding references on growing those in the home orchard. Okay, sir, thank you. And also, Neil, could you give me your book uh, so I can order your book, please, the number again? Yes, 800-752-4769. Or you thank can do you, it at my, we- at my website, neilsperry.com. The uh, office, I'm actually broadcasting from the office, and I'm tying up the phone line, so you'll need to call next week. <laughs> oh, okay, sir, appreciate All it. Right. Thank you for the call very much. Thank you. All right, let me do one last break, and we'll come back and go to Don in Madisonville. And Don, I can help you, and I look forward to it very much. Uh, my website is is where you can buy the book, and that's neilsperry.com. That's a great place to do it because what happens on Sundays is we clear all of the names and the orders, and I sign books on Sunday evening to get them ready uh, to uh, to mail Monday or at the latest Tuesday morning. Uh, I have been taking them to the post office myself on Tuesdays. Uh, with the pandemic, I just prefer to have very few people around me. I'm totally vaccinated, but uh, we have a couple of family members who are medically compromised, and I'm just trying to protect them and and help them at the same time with bringing food to them and other things. And um, so, anyway, you get the picture. But anyway, the the website is a a great place to order. That's at neilsperry.com. Um, so you can do that. You sign up for my electronic newsletter at my website. You can find quite answers to my 1001 Frequently Asked Questions at my website. There's just a lot at neilsperry.com. So I hope you'll go there, take a look around. think you'll enjoy it. neilsperry.com. At Mueller, they believe in value. Their Value Plus buildings are pre-engineered, and they feature an easy-to-assemble, bolt-together design. Mueller's durable roofing panels are hail-resistant, and they come back with a 30-year limited paint warranty. But true value never stops at just a quality product at a reasonable price. Value shows in the service you receive during your purchase and in how a company will stand behind their product after the sale. Mueller understands that buying a steel building or metal roof for your home can be a lifetime decision, and Mueller will provide assurance before, during, and for decades after your purchase. At Mueller, you simply get more. You get more for your money, more confidence in their company, and that gives you more value. Call Mueller at 877-2-Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. That's 877-268-3553. Or visit them online at MuellerInc.com. Mueller. Mueller means more. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. Let's quickly go to Don in Madisonville. Don, this is Neil. Good morning. Uh, yes, uh, I wanted to ask you, is there any benefit of going ahead with fertilization now as compared to waiting to springtime to do that? It's on a new, maybe on a new lawn put down and would be better to go to wait or just as good or definitely, go ahead. definitely wait. Uh, it's, it's not going to be utilized very efficiently now, Don. Even if uh-huh. you used a slow release fertilizer, I don't think I'd be putting it out now. Problem is, you don't know how many, uh, how many multi-inch range you're going to get between now and the growing season. So I would, I would absolutely wait until, uh, in, in Madisonville, I would wait until uh, middle of March at the earliest. Okay, good deal. Very good. Well, I appreciate your call. Have a great day. Okay, All thank right. you, Neil. Thank Bye. you, sir. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. 
Well, folks, we are here every Saturday, a little after 11 until just a little before 12, which it is right now. That means we're about to leave. Jared Taylor has been running the boards and keeping me on the straight and narrow best he can. And I've enjoyed this very, very much. I hope that uh, you have as well. Podcast of this program is on my website each uh, Monday afternoon late. And uh, so I hope if you missed part of it, you'll tune in there and uh, have a great and safe gardening week. Until next week, thanks for listening. Happy gardening.